I'm gonna take a trip in the good old gospel ship. Oh, you wanna sing that? Sing it, sister. In the good old gospel ship, well, I'm going far beyond the skies. Well, I'm going to shout and sing until the heavens ring while I'm bidding this world goodbye. I'm going to take a trip. Well, I'm going to take a trip in the good old gospel ship. I'm going far beyond the skies. Well, I'm going to shout and sing. Oh, until heaven rings While I'm bidding this world goodbye I'm gonna take a trip On the good old gospel ship When I'm going far beyond the sky Well, I'm gonna shout and sing Until the heaven rings While I'm bidding this world goodbye Praise the Lord. Y'all didn't think I know some of these songs. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Woo. You love Jesus? Amen. Amen. It is such a joy. Thank you so much, you guys, for being here early. Some of some of uh, some of us are just weep, wiping the sleepy out of our eyes at this hour in some cases. Some of us might be up, but we're still in our pajamas. One person said, hey, pastor, can I come in my pajamas? My clothes don't fit anymore. <laughs> I said, come, brother, come as you are. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Woo. You know... <clears throat> How many have ever heard the phrase, shake it off? Some of you have. I remember as a kid, you know, playing on the playground and you're swinging and all of a sudden you fall off or you do something crazy like I would try to do. I'd get as high as I could and I'd just, I'd launch myself, you know. And um, I'd hit the ground and knock the breath out of my air, uh, out of my lungs and yeah, and my... Um, my mom would be over there, son, just get up and shake it off. You know, the more kids you have, the less concerned you are about those. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I remember, you know, my first child, I was so, you know, worried about everything. You know, oh, don't touch that. Oh, don't eat that. You know, the last child is digging in the dirt, eating spoonfuls of dirt. And I'm saying, hey, son, that's just good for you. <laughs> good for the immune system, right? <laughs> but... I, you know, I, I wasn't a super athletic as far as sports person. I love sports. Um, I crushed my hand when I was um, around three and a half years old and really uh, had to struggle trying to play like basketball and, and football and hand sports. I could get into soccer and track. But I remember um, playing baseball, trying, that, trying out for baseball, and uh, I'll stand up there. And I was, I mean, I was getting ready to line drive one, you know. 
And that pitcher wound up. I'm going to tell you something. When you're on a, you know, a 13 and under team, some pitchers get kind of wild, don't they? They get wild in major leagues, but you can imagine a 13-year-old. But that 13-year-old that day felt like he was a major leaguer. <laughs> because as he wound up and he, he threw that ball, it smacked me right in the arm. Mm. You know, <clears throat> I'm not sure if I was saved that day. <laughs> I was stunned for a minute and, you know, a little bit of fire bu bubbling down the side. Wanted to go and say, let me show you how that feels, boy. And all of a sudden on the sidelines, I hear the coach from the dugout yelling, just shake it off. And that's not always easy. It's easier said than done, right? But the fact is, is that we all go through things in life. We all face trials in life. We all go through struggles. I mean, we show up sometimes and feel like our brain's foggy and we're trying to get our thoughts together. Uh, it's because it's 8.57 or 8.30 or 8 o'clock in the morning and we're still on our first cup of coffee and we need our third cup. And, and it's just like, Where's, what's going on here? And we just need to shake it off, right? Got to get our head back in the game. Got to get our head straight. Get focused. In everyday living, sometimes we get hit with life. We get hit with call, things that cause us to lose our concentration. And we need a gentle encouragement. We need something to help us, to remind us. And sometimes we, we just need somebody to, to be on the sidelines, if you will, to tell us, hey, come on, somebody, just shake it off. Whatever's going on in your world, whatever you're struggling with, just Get your head in the game and shake it off. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter 28. Acts chapter 28. I want to read a, a little story of someone who had to, to shake it off. Now, I'm not talking about the Taylor Swift kind of shake it off either. About three of you got that. I love you. <laughs> Acts chapter 28, starting with verse 1. When they had been brought safely through, then we found out that the island was called Malta. The natives showed us extraordinary kindness for because of the rain that had set in and because of the cold, they kindled a fire and received us all. But when Paul... But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened itself on his hand. When the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they began saying to one another, Undoubtedly this man is a murderer, and, and though he has been saved from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. And verse 5 says, However, he shook the creature off into the fire and suffered no harm. But they were expecting that he was about to swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But after they had waited a long time and had seen nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their minds and began to say that he must be a god. Verse 7, now in the neighborhood of the place where, uh, where lands belonging to the leading man of the island named Populus, 
which means popular, who welcomed us and entertained us courteously three days. And it happened that the father of Populus was lying in bed, afflicted with recurrent fever and dysentery. And Paul went in to see him, and after he prayed, he laid his hands on him and he healed him. And after, his, after this happened, the rest, of the, the rest of the people on the island who had diseases were coming to him and getting cured. They also honored us with many marks of respect. And when we were set, setting sail, they supplied us with all we needed. Father, I pray, God, that you would help us to understand the purposes that we face in life. The things that we, that we often struggle with or the things that we often confront. Knowing, Father, that you are with us, that you care about us. And Lord, in every process of life, we are learning, we are growing, we are being transformed from glory to glory. And we pray this morning that you will help us to understand how important it is to follow your path and to depend on you. And as the song we sang, perfect submission, that we will be perfectly submitted to your plan and your will. God bless and encourage and strengthen in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I didn't mention one, but also remember Kathy Lozier, who has been struggling as well in her health and asked that you would continue to keep her in prayer as well. Uh, also, Scott... Uh, continue to remember Julie and Scott Wilson. Um, Scott was dismissed from the hospital, but still continue to uh, pray for him. He had a ki uh, kidney stone removed from a transplanted kidney this week. And uh, doing well, but just continue to remember him. So when we look at the scripture, there's a few things I want us to, to see. I want us to pull out of this. First of all, I want us to realize that we've got to see the context. You know, this is the last chapter of the book of Acts. I mean, this is written about the story of the gospel being spread throughout the world. It's, it's the story of the early church. Paul has been on three recorded missionary journeys at this point. I mean, he's been all over. Uh, thousands have been won to Christ Jesus, and he has defended the gospel at all costs. And yet, Paul still had this passion. He still had this hunger. He still had this desire to go to Jerusalem. He still wanted to see God's chosen people, the Israelites, come to a right relationship to the Father through the personal relationship of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Paul was compelled by the Spirit uh, to, according to Acts chapter 20, to go to Jerusalem. And, and even by the Spirit, he was warned over and over again that he would face imprisonment. He would face hardships uh, in Jerusalem. But the, the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 20, verse 24, it says, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given to me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. Oh, that we might have that mentality that if I could just complete the race, Lord, if I could just, if I could just have the energy, if I could just have the zeal, if I could just have the encouragement to keep on fighting, understanding that my life is worth nothing in the sense of this world. But I know that I have something greater for me in glory. I know that this life on this journey is temporary. But this the eternal life is forever and ever and ever. Amen. 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 And so you see from this time 
uh, forward from that moment in Acts chapter 20 when he felt the impression to go to Jerusalem that you find him either being beaten, you find him being imprisoned, you find him transferring from one prison to another, you find him in on trial, testifying in, all, in front of all types of people. <clears throat> so here we are. <laughs> and, and, and now we find ourselves in Acts chapter 26 where he... Uh, they, they, they find themselves on this journey. He's being, uh, he had appealed to Caesar, and now he's going to Rome to stand trial. And in verse 27, we find ourselves in a storm. And it wasn't just any storm. You've got to realize this was a massive storm. I mean, this was not some little boat that you uh, go fishing in. This was a big boat. The Bible says that there were 276 people on this boat. And a, a, a gale force went come up. And they were in the middle of the storm. They, they literally thought their lives were at an end. It was, it was the end of their life. I mean, they started throwing their personal effects. Hey, you know it's bad when you start throwing your personal effects over, right? They started throwing their personal effects over. They started throwing the tackle of the boat over. Because they were afraid that this boat was going to capsize. It was, it was over for them. And, and you know it had to be bad when they started throwing food over, right? Some of y'all know what I'm talking about, right? They threw everything over. And, 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 and literally, they threw ropes around the boat. Around the hull of the boat to tie that thing together. It was a scary moment. But guess what? How many know that when there's no hope, there's still hope? Amen? When everything looks like it's over. I mean, they were literally out there for days and they they literally were giving up hope but the lord spoke to paul and said you will make it to rome you will get to your destination and not one person will be lost in the midst of this and so guess what he went and told everybody and everybody said oh you know we we're still afraid but we're trusting and, and, and automatically they hit a sandbar and broke up the ship now, does that sound like god to you sometimes you know like God, I know you're going to save us. And in your mindset, that boat's going to land at some dock. And you're just going to be able to get off. And it's going to be so easy and so nice. But, but guess what? Sometimes God's salvation doesn't look as clean as you would like it to look. Come on, somebody. Y'all know what I'm talking about? It, it doesn't always happen the way you think it should happen. Oh, God's going to land me here. God's going to get me this. God's going to do this for me. Let me tell you something. There's people in this world that will try to deceive you to think that Christianity is going to be purdy for your life. But I'm here to tell you, it's not always purdy. Come on. It's not always a bed of roses. It's not always glorious. And, and they hit that sandbar. And, 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 and every one of them were in the water. Some swam to shore. Some grabbed a hold of pieces of wood to make sure they got to the shore. But everyone made it to the shore. And this is where we pick up with our scripture. To think that Paul was a great man of God. That Paul was one who was serving the Lord. That he was... Out there doing God's plan. And guess what? Even those hit storms. Never put anybody on a pedestal. Never put anybody on a pedestal. Because everybody faces something. Everybody goes through trials. Everybody puts their pants on one leg at a time. Everybody does. Everybody has to face trials. 
Paul may have felt like his fighting days were just about over. But in the midst of this, God's greatest evangelistic work was just about to take place in his life. God may have caused you to hit a sandbar in life so that he could perform the greatest work in your life. Don't, don't be so quick to abandon the ship when trials and tribulations hit. Even though it seems like the only thing holding your boat together is a, a, a bunch of ropes tied together. You've got to know that no matter what, the anchor still holds. Amen? I remember the song, the anchor holds. Come on, anybody know that? When the ship is tattered, the anchor holds. When the sails are torn, I have fallen on my knees. When I face the raging sea, the anchor holds. In spite of the storm. <laughs> Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that you're anchored to Christ Jesus and that he's got you? You might feel drug here and there, but to know that the anchor of our Lord Jesus Christ has us safe in his arms. Amen? Amen. But you know, the thing is, is once they were on land... The Bible says that they were met by the locals. It's amazing to me how often we expect things to be different. You know, sometimes we despise the fact of who helps us. Come on. I heard it said one time, uh, not, 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 I know you guys don't think this way, but you know, I've heard it said sometimes that it's easier to get help in the bar than it is the church. Because I could go into the bar and they'll, you know, it don't matter what shape uh, uh, I go in there in. They're not going to judge the way I look. They're not going to judge the way I act. They're not going to judge the way I smell. They're going to say, hey, let me help you. Now, I know that I'm thankful that we're not that kind of church. But the sad part is there's so many people who are so religious that, that they turn their nose at people who really need help. And how many understand that God's called us to help people? And who knows the fact that... It might be us on the side of the road who need help, and it might not be the, the evangelist. It might not be the preacher. It might not be the good saint that stops by that helps us out. It could be the Samaritan, <laughs> right? And it just might be that it just might be that the person that stops and helps us is looking for somebody to love them, somebody to care for them, somebody to show them the light. And so often we want to be the ones helping other people. It just might be that God has the roles reversed. And we need to still understand that we are called to be the light in every situation. Amen. The Bible says that the natives, you know, the, another King James term is the barbarians. Uh, you know, kind of look like Ken right here. Bar, barbarian. It just means they had a beard, Ken. It's all right. <laughs> anyway, I'm so glad that when they, when they stopped there, that somebody helped them. And they went, the thing is, is that when they stopped, they got off the Malta. People uh, met them. Uh, they, they, they were shipwrecked. The crew, they were wet. Can you imagine the, the, the feeling they had? But those nice people built them a fire. And we noticed that they built them a fire. It had to be a huge fire, but they built this fire. And, and the Bible says that even Paul, you know, the thing is, is that 
Paul could have sat back and let the, the natives build this fire for him, and it could have been so nice to sit back and just let somebody else warm you a little bit because you're wet, you've been shipwrecked, your life is turned upside down. But the Bible says that Paul also was gathering sticks. He was gathering wood for the fire. He understood that those who are called by God are called to be service, right? He didn't come, we didn't, God didn't call us to be served, but to serve others, amen? And so he was there just like everybody else. This was not at the beginning of his ministry. This was not, this was the apostle Paul. This was the one who had gone and, and led multiple ministries and saw many people healed. And yet here he is, he's picking up sticks for the fire. How many understand we've got to pick up some sticks for the fire, Amen. Amen. Because those who want to benefit from the fire should also help carry the fuel for it. Amen. Come on. Woo, that'll preach right there. Too many times we're waiting on somebody else to stir us up. And, and I believe if we'll just get on our knees, if we'll just begin to seek the face of God, that we might be the, the ones, the agents who stir the fire. Amen. We, we all together in unity stirring the fire will make the biggest fire. Amen. We've got an anointed fire. But just as they were, that fire had grown and just as that, it had uh, gotten big, guess what happened? A snake, a serpent came out and latched on him. Now we can look at that in a couple different ways. We can look at it as, you know, this was Satan's attack of the man of God. We can look at it as God's way of recognition. And I want to look at that for a moment because... The, the thing is, is that this fire had to be huge. As, as I just said, there were, they were 276 people. How many of you have ever had a bonfire? Right? You have about 20, 30 people over. You put your pallets in or whatever you're going to put in. And you can, you can build a good fire. But can you imagine, Cecil, having 276 wet, cold people and you're trying to warm them, Right? It had to be an enormous fire that they built just to warm these people. It couldn't have been something small. It's probably uh, much like the fire by day, come on, uh, uh, or the fire by night, the pillar by day. But here was this huge fire, and, 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 and in the middle of that fire, here comes the serpent latching on. When, when, you do, when you're doing what God has led you by the Spirit to do, there's going to be rocky roads. There's going to be things that happen. There's going to be trials that you face. When, when the church is striving to do the Father's will, there will be those who oppose it. And I venture to say that if you don't find opposition, you better check and see if you're in the will of God. Come on. Because it, it's a time where we need to understand that if we're doing God's will, the enemy doesn't like it. And the, and the Bible says that the serpent latched on. The fire drove it out, latched on for everyone to see. It could have probably been the, the most opportune moment for the kingdom of God to be advanced because that snake latched on. He could have panicked in fear. How many, how many know that there's so many people right now panicking in fear? He could have panicked in fear and, and like, oh God, how am I, I going to make it? Or, or he could choose to just shake it off. And I believe Paul understood uh, the words of Mark chapter 16, verse 17 and 18. And these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes and it will, with their hands and, it will, and they'll drink deadly poison and it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on the sick and they will get well. He understood the word of God. He understood these truths. 
Paul full well understood that his life was not his own. In Galatians 2 and, uh, 2 and 20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He understood that, that no matter what happened, he was ready for the kingdom purpose and kingdom plan. If we could all grasp a hold, that no matter what happens... If we are truly submitted to the plan and will of God, that no one can take us away until it is the time that God has for us. No one can, can pull us away from the plan that God has. There are things that are going to latch on to us on our journey through life. But how will we respond? How will we, uh, how will we respond to the attack of the enemy? How will we respond to the, the things we face? I hear so many people talking about the different trials they have, whether it be at work, whether it be at home, or, or just financial strifes and all these things. And, and my thought is, is, how do you respond to that? How are you walking? Are you walking in fear? Are you walking in doubt? Or are you truly trusting that the Lord is with you, guiding you, directing your steps? How do you respond? The thing is, is that we could say, we could sit there and cry out, Oh God, I can't believe you let me go through this. Oh God, why in the world is you allowing this to happen to me? We could sit there and cry and we can whine and we can complain. And, and what does that help? How does that encourage? We could sit there and say, Oh God, why have you dealt me such an unfair shake? Of course, we could at the, on the other side say, Oh God, thank you for allowing me to see your hand of mercy in the midst of my trial. Thank you, God, that I'm at the end of my rope. Thank you, God, that my life is viewed differently from, from the world. Thank you, God, that you're with me. Thank you, God, that you're throwing me the, the, the lifeline called grace. And that, you're, that your grace is sufficient to help me even in the midst of my storm. We have to understand that the same fire that warms us is the same fire that dries us. The same fire that gives us strength will be the very same fire that we'll, that we'll have to shake our adversary off into. You've got to shake it off this morning. Sometimes God just does things differently. How many understand that, right? This is the, 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 the second way that we could look at this is God's unusual way of recognition. How many of God may want you to be seen? The only way that God could truly raise you to a level that could reach the people around you is for you to go through some trial and you come out on the other side with your face held high and a smile on your face. Come on. I mean, I mean, here he is. I mean, these, these, this thing come out and, and this might be the very opportunity. I mean, God's may have placed us in a position and we think in our mind, why have we got this job? Why have we been placed in this role and it's driving me crazy? The people here are driving me crazy. Life is not fair. It's not fun. These people are just a bunch of cussing maniacs and they're driving me nuts. God, why am I being persecuted like this? How often are we running from the very place that God placed us to make a difference, to make an impact? 
And it very well could be that if we would just dig in and say, God, even in the midst of this, I'm going to serve you. Even in the midst of this, I'm going to be light and salt to, to the people around me. It might be that we endure some seasons of hardship. It might be that we endure some trials. It might be that we endure people making fun of us and talking about us because that we love Jesus and we love God. But guess what? Are we greater than the master? Did, they, did the world not hate him? Did the world not uh, despise him? Well, guess what? They're going to despise us. But if we will just keep the faith, it might be that the one person God brought us into that position for, it might be that they finally see Jesus in us and they choose to change and live for him. Amen. Amen. So how will we respond? How do we look and perceive the trials of life? Because if we're only looking through fleshly eyes, all we will see is hardship and pain and struggle. It's so, it's so amazing to me that when people are struggling, how, how often they look at others and blame others for their own stuff. If you'd just call me, I wouldn't be in this position. If, if the church just loved me and just would reach out to me, I wouldn't be struggling like I am. And it's almost a selfish mentality because we get in this funk to think that everything in life is about us. And when life hits us hard, we want to blame everybody else because of the funk that we're in. And if we would just look up and if we would just get our eyes on Jesus and understand that we could be the change agents that transforms the lives of others. If we would respond in faith and say, God, I don't know why I'm lonely. I don't know why I'm struggling. But Lord, I'm going to break out of this uh, natural state and I'm going to walk in the supernatural because I know that I don't have the ability. I don't have the desire to get out of this place and out of this funk. But because the spirit of the Lord is inside of me, I'm going to step out of my norm. I'm going to reach out. And I'm going to touch somebody. And if I begin serving somebody else, it just might change my mind. Amen. So we need to, to, to know that the world is looking at us. The church is judged so harshly. And, and, and I get it. I mean, I feel like that the world is more religious than church people. Because the, the world wants to set church people to a standard that they themselves are not willing to keep. Come on. That bunch of hypocrites down there. And the fact is, is that we have the understanding. That we're all broken people. And that everybody needs Jesus. And the only way we can live this life is that Jesus Christ is walking with us, empowering us. And the moments that we don't shine bright, the moments that we look stained and messed up, is the moments that we are not living our life for him. Is the moments that we're struggling and we're walking in flesh and not in faith. And so we need to turn our eyes to Jesus. And allow him to direct us. And allow him to show us the way. Because the world's looking. The Bible says that these, uh, the islanders looked. And, and, and they looked at him and said, look, he must, he must have done something way wrong. He must have been a murderer. I mean, the world's going to look at your pain. I mean, 
your house burns down, you, or you have a, a car accident, and, or whatever happens, and the world's going to look at you and say, yeah, you, you're not doing something right. Isn't that right? Automatically. They're automatically judging the fact that, that bad things have happened to us, and, oh, you, your faith is not good, your, that Christianity is no good, because if you were truly faithful, those things wouldn't happen to you. Isn't that what the world would say? And so automatically they're looking. And they're looking at how are you going to respond? How are you going to take the situation? I had a friend of mine that he, man, it seemed like, it seemed like every week there was something that just seemed to be spiraling. And I called him one day and just to check him, I said, hey man, is everything okay? And he just began to laugh. He said, Paul, I've learned that all the stuff of life is so material. As long as I've got Jesus, he'll take care of me. It might not be what society says I should have. I might not be trying to be keep up with those who have all the glamour. He said, but one thing I know, I've got Jesus. He said, Anything in this world is just temporary. But knowing that I have eternal life in Christ Jesus lets me realize that I've got a hope that's greater. And so when you look at these, they, these people looked at him and said, man, he must be a murderer. They were waiting on him to die. In other words, this was a poisonous snake that had latched onto him. And they looked at him and said, man, he's, he's going to swell up here in a minute. And he's just going to kill over. And when he shook it off in the fire and was not afraid and wasn't panicking and he didn't swell up and die, they looked and said, hey, this, something's unique about this guy. Something's different. Look, it's not bad when people say something's different about you. I said, quarantine's making people crazy. I said, well, I was crazy before quarantine. <laughs> I'm all right. <laughs> A little crazy. Always been. Praise God. But because of that moment, because of that, I mean, they could have picked anybody out of the crowd, but, but here they were, because that nothing happened to him, he was introduced to the magistrate of the whole islands. And in that moment of meeting, the magistrate entertained them for three days. And here in this house was a father who was sick with constant fever and dysentery and Paul went and laid hands on him and he was healed it could just be that if we respond appropriately to the trials and we shake it off it could just be that God puts us in the palace where we can touch somebody in authority and, and God changes the trajectory of every one of our lives but how we respond how we allow the things to affect us in this world. Will we walk around coward in fear? Will we blame everybody else? Will we, will we lash out? Will we walk in anger and bitterness? Or will we walk confidently knowing that we are in the hand of the master? Walk confidently knowing that, that whatever trial the, that I face, this is a temporary journey and I'm trusting in God. You know, Paul may have never understood the impact that he made in the island of Malta. I mean, hundreds of years later, there was a, a great 
a Turkish Muslim attack that, that hit the islands to try to transform them into Muslims. And, and, and Malta stood its ground and, and was a dominant Christian factor in the area. We don't know. We don't know the impact we might make. We might be, tra we might be changing nations. But are we, are we willing to trust the Lord? Because in the end, the way we respond determines the plan that we walk in. And guess what? When they left that island, they didn't walk away broke, busted, and disgusted. They walked away blessed, favored God. Because the islanders sent them away with blessings. Why? Because the Apostle Paul in a broken state, in a shipwrecked state, in a snake-bitten, latched-on state, chose to shake it off and trust God. And in trusting the Lord, he impacted the whole islands by touching the leader of the island. And healed many sick, transformed generations and generations and generations to come just by shaking off a snake into the fire. May God help us. May God help us. That when the server sets down the wrong plate in front of us at the restaurant. And it's not cooked the way we want it to cook. That we don't lash out. And we cause pain to that person. And we just might lose them for the kingdom of God because of our bad attitude and our self-serving, self-preserving mentality that Americans seem to walk in. Come on. God help us. We don't even know what persecution is in this world. And yet, we still walk as if we're prideful, as if we're owed everything in the world. God help us. When our, when our fellow brethren in other countries literally are having to bow their heads to a sword and say, if you trust Jesus, then we're going to cut your head off. And they're literally bowing down, letting that happen because they know that this is a temporary life. Eternity is forever and ever. God, help us to learn to shake it off. Because it just might be that our shaking it off transforms the life of others. Father, I pray.